salvation in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. We serve a very real and living and almighty God. Amen. Let's talk to him. Father, once again, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to gather together with your people, Lord. Lord, in your presence. And Lord, we are expecting you now, Lord, to come and take control. I ask, Lord God, that you would do the speaking. Lord, that you would just help me tonight, Lord, to deliver the thought that you laid on my heart, Lord. Lord, and to not speak or say anything, Lord, that wouldn't be pleasing to you or would go outside, Lord, the realms of what it is you would want me to speak. But, Lord, that you would just anoint now and anoint the ears to hear, Lord, that all things would be received, Father, tonight, even in the spirit as which you gave it, Father. Lord, I just ask now your blessings upon this service that you would just take complete control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I ask you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 49. The book of Genesis, chapter 49. I was looking at this thought on Saturday night and studying and pondering and trying to decide which way it was that I was to go, and then uh, Brother Joe comes out Sunday morning and preached that, that wonderful message there on the Exodus and Kadesh Barnea, and it really just confirmed to me exactly what I was looking at and, and how I was supposed to go in this direction. So I just pray you'll bear with me tonight as we go through this, maybe a little bit of a, of a, 
I don't want to call it a Bible study, but we will read a lot of a lot of scriptures and try to pull some different things out of those scriptures as we go along. Amen. I just hope that tonight that you'll be encouraged to, to press on, encouraged to press all the way in and not stop short of what God has for each and every one of us. Amen. Tonight, we're going to read here in verse 1, and we're going to read down quite a few verses as we read of, of Jacob in his, in his last moments here on the earth as he calls his sons to him and begins to pronounce his blessing upon them and pronounce prophecies over their lives. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest unto thy father's bed, then defiledest thou it, he went up to my couch." Simeon and Levi, our brethren, instruments of cruelty, are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, and their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel." Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Zebulon shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for a haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. Issachar is a strong ass couching down between two burdens, and he saw that rest was good, and the land that it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant unto tribute. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heel, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. Amen. You may have your seats. We ask that the Lord would add his blessings to the reading of the word. Two of these, and I know I didn't finish all of it, but two of these that we wanted, I wanted to get down through Gad because we're going to look at Reuben and Gad. I'm going to read those two again. It says that Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. And then Gad, it says a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. What we're seeing here in the last moments of Jacob's life, as it were, the, the spirit of prophecy comes upon him and he pronounces his final blessings over the lives of his, of his children, of his sons. And, and what we know is that these blessings 
or prophecies over them would not just be upon them themselves, but upon their posterity. They were representatives of, of the future of the entire nation. The descendants of these sons, what we would call the, the 12 tribes of Israel, would walk under and fulfill these prophecies in future times. Okay, so well, and well before this time even, we see a, uh, the prophecy going forth here out of Jacob. But well before this time, God had given promises to Abraham of a land that was to be possessed by his seed. But he was told also, and we're just going to go into some of these things and the way God works these things around. He was told also that his seed uh, will be strangers and slaves in a foreign land and that they would be afflicted there. In Genesis 15 and 13, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. We, we know now that as God began to work and, the, and things began to turn and towards this fulfillment, we know how Joseph was sold to the Midianites and how then they sold him down into Egypt. And we know about his incredible rise in, in, in Potiphar's house. And then how from there he was cast into the prison. And then from prison, how he was called out of the dungeon to sit at the right hand of Pharaoh. And how God works it all out so that due to the famine, Joseph's brothers have to come to Egypt in order to buy food. And the reason that there's food in Egypt is because of Joseph. And the reason Joseph is there is because his brothers have sold him there. All right, the very things that look so terrible, the very things that look so awful, God was using it all the time to work out exactly what it is that he wanted to happen. And we realize that as bad as it looked, it all was working according to the plan of God. God had spoke the word to Abraham concerning his seed after him. And every aspect of that word was going to be fulfilled. My goodness, church tonight, what confidence that we ought to be able to have tonight as the royal seed of Abraham. What confidence that we ought to be able to have when we look around and the world is falling apart and things seem to be at the worst they've ever been. It doesn't matter how things look as the royal seed of Abraham. He's going to take care of every word he's ever promised you. Everything he said he would do, you can count on it tonight. You can have confidence tonight in the word of God. It doesn't matter how messed up the situation may seem. It doesn't matter how hopeless the situation may seem. He gave promises to Abraham and to his seed after him and we are the possessors of those promises tonight I've got confidence tonight that nothing the devil has tried to do is going to keep me from my promises I have confidence tonight that that all things still work together for good to them that love the Lord I have confidence tonight in my healing I have confidence tonight in my salvation I have confidence that my children will be saved I have confidence that we're going to take a rapture I have confidence in these things because God is going to do whatever it takes he will hairlip every devil in hell God will bring his word to pass in this last day I've got confidence tonight that my God is going to take care of it so if he said it I believe it if God said it I believe it brother Branham says now this covenant people Israel down in Egypt on account of disobedience and of selling their brother Joseph and was taken down into Egypt and was there 400 years under bondage I want you to notice they never lost their covenant they lost their freedom, not their covenant. 
When God made the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he swore by himself that he would save Abraham and his seed after him, God's duty bound to keep that promise. And he's just as duty bound to you on that promise as he was to Abraham on that promise. That's right. If you're Abraham's seed, how do you become Abraham's seed? We that are dead in Christ take on Abraham's seed, says the Bible, and are heirs according to the promise, then God's just as duty bound to you as he was to Abraham. Say, that would take all the scare out of it. God don't want you to be scared of nothing. Rest solemnly upon what he said. Church, what do we have to fear? If he's duty bound to you tonight, that takes all the fear out of it. That takes all the worry out of it. But this is falling apart. And I can't see how he's going to work this out. But he's duty bound to you just as he was duty bound to Abraham to work out according to what he has promised you. So God tells Abraham that his seed is going to be slaves in a strange land for 400 years. But God says, I'm going to judge that nation. And when your seed leave out, they will leave out with great sustenance. Genesis 15, 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great sustenance. Church, we're not going to leave here struggling. We're not going to leave here barely getting by, spiritually speaking now. We're not going to leave here beat down. We're not going to leave here just barely making it, getting through on the skin of our teeth. We are going to leave here with blessings overflowing. We are going to leave here blessed. We are going to leave here victorious. Church, we cannot lose in this day. He said you're going to leave here. He's duty bound to uphold it. You cannot lose. We can't lose. That takes all the fear out of it. According to the covenant, according to the promise, according to God's word, you cannot lose tonight. Don't let your current situation that you are in right now break you. This close to the finish line, don't give in to the lie of the enemy. You can't lose. Don't give in now. Every fulfillment of every promise that God ever gave is laying just ahead. We're right at the crossing over. We're right at the finishing up. Don't give in now. Don't quit now. Don't back down now. Don't let your current temporary situation break you. Every fulfillment lies just ahead. The final victory, the body change, the rapture, the full inheritance. And I've got confidence tonight that he's going to bring it all to pass. Don't stop short. That's what I want to speak to you on tonight. Is settled just short of complete victory. Settled just short of complete victory. In these verses of promise to Abraham, he describes... The land that he, his seed shall inherit. And there in Genesis 15, 18, it says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now we know that Israel wouldn't fully possess all of this territory actually until the reign of David and the reign of Solomon. When they do cross over during the exodus over the Jordan, the boundaries that they possess originally when they first get there are actually a much smaller portion than what the Lord described right here to Abraham. But it wasn't the Lord's fault. 
the reason they inherit a smaller portion to begin with is due to their own sins, due to their own sloth and their own cowardice. And, and it kept them from the full possession for a number of years, although eventually they would attain it, as I said, under the reign of David and of Solomon. So, so as the years wear on and the cogs of God's prophecy are grinding slow and sure, and, and all that he has spoken has to come to pass. And now Israel has been slaves down in Egypt for 400 years. And now we find Moses on the scene. I'm just going to go through this timetable very quickly. And we find Egypt is brought down to its knees, judged just how God said they would be. And now Israel is called out and they're marching towards the promised land. And now sometimes we might wonder, well, how come we preach about the exodus so much and the journey to the promised land so much? And I, I found this awesome how Brother Brown would say, we're taking Israel now. In their journey coming out of Egypt, it's a type of the world, on their way to Palestine, the promised land. I think it's a beautiful thing. I just love it. Pretty near every week, I sit down and read through the book of Exodus, if I can, or as much of it as I can. I love it because it's a perfect type of the church today. The condition and how God is moving, how he moved then, what he did in the natural then, he's doing in the spiritual now. And now God led them in the natural because they they were loose in the wilderness. And he led them in the natural. He's leading us today in the spiritual. And the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel here is leading us. The same one, same pillar of fire leading us on. The supernatural light of God moving on, leading the church spiritually. Brother Branham says it's a perfect type of the church today. What they did in the natural, we are now doing in the spiritual. And now so many times when we look at Israel and we look at the Exodus, it comes across as negative because other than Joshua and Caleb, so many of the others failed and others, they failed to cross over and they failed to take possession. And it's not necessarily negative preaching as much as it is pointing to their mistakes and saying, let's not do that. Let's not do what they did, but let's lift up the example of those that overcame and let's do exactly how they did. It's not to be negative, but why not learn from the mistakes of those that have gone before us? And in studying them and their exodus, it's our goal to avoid the same pitfalls and to the same mistakes they made. And, and, and many times when we focus on the exodus, a lot of times we end up even where Brother Joe preached from on Sunday at Kadesh Barnea. And Brother Branham would preach from there many times and, and, and deal with the failure at Kadesh because of their unbelief and because of it being a judgment seat. And it's a very pivotal moment there in the Bible. But tonight I want to go 40 years beyond Kadesh. And Israel is once again standing on the threshold of the promised land. They've wandered for 40 years and now they're back again with their opportunity once again. They're standing there preparing to cross over once again. We're at a place where God has provided time after time after time. We're at a place of what should be a perfect fulfillment of what God had given to the 12 tribes originally. They're there to fulfill everything. Everything is set in order. God has provided for them. God has made a way for these people to enter into the land that he has promised them. He has plagued Egypt for this. He has rolled away the Red Sea for this. He has rained manna down upon upon them from heaven for this. He has led them through the wilderness and he's led them through wars with pagan kings, Zion and Og for this. 
This is what it was all for. And they're standing at that moment. And here we stand tonight. We stand here tonight. You are the people of the open book. Our land is this word and it has been completely restored. Our promises lie in this land. The Holy Ghost lies in this land. Healing lies in this land. Everything that we have need of lies in this land. And it's been opened to us and it's been restored. And he says, this is your portion. You can take this. You can have all of it. There's no part of it that, you don't, that you're not supposed to take. Take the book. Take the land. Go into it. And God has done so much to get us to this place. God has done amazing things. God has done extreme things for you to have the opportunity to enter into this land. He has done extreme things in this day to vindicate that this word is true. He has gone out of his way to bring us to this place where we stand tonight. And Israel stands in this place. And the lessons of Kadesh in the past generations have been learned. We cannot stop short. We cannot stay on this side, but we must cross over. We can't settle for anything other than all that God has promised us. We must go in and possess it. We can't continue to wander in the wilderness and they're ready to cross over the lessons learned. They're not going to make that mistake again. And yet as just as they prepare to cross over, there are two and a half tribes that become enamored with the looks of the land on the east side of the Jordan. After everything they've been through, after everything God has done, that you're going to that land, that's where you're supposed to settle. That's where you're supposed to be. That's where the blessing lies. This is what this is all about. And it's time to cross over and they go, well, my, would you look at at this? But, But look at this land. This is good land. This is where I want to stop. This is where I want to settle down. Oh, church, don't become enamored with anything on this side of the river. Don't become enamored with anything on this side. God said we're going over. God said I have a possession over there. God said I can have it all. And I'm telling you, no matter what this looks like, i got to trust that that's better. That's better. God knows what's better. God knows what's best. I can't look around and become enamored with what I see on this side of the river. Don't get your eyes off the goal tonight. Don't get caught up in worldly pursuits, even if they're not ungodly. Sure, we have things we have to pursue. Sure, we have jobs and families and those things. And we must look after those things. But don't get your eyes off the goal tonight. Don't get caught up and wrapped up in things that aren't eternal things. Press tonight. Press tonight into what it is God has called you to. God had called them to the promised land. He had not called them to Gilead. He had called them to the promised land. And yet they... Look around and they see this, this is a good land. You got to press into the land tonight. Press into the open land of the word. Press into the full open land of the Holy Ghost and everything that it has for you tonight. Do not settle where you are. Numbers 32 and we're going to be going through this whole chapter. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer Jazer, and the land of Gilead, that behold, 
The place was a place for cattle. They liked the looks of the land from the middle point east of the Dead Sea, bordering the east bank of the Jordan River, all the way up to the very northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. But it wasn't the promised land. Verse 2, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eliezer the priest and unto the princes of the congregation saying, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazir and Nimrah and Heshbon and Elilah and Shabam and Nebo and Beon. Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle and thy servants have cattle. Moses, don't you know that we have cattle? We're, we have cattle. Do you not think God would have took care of their cattle in the promised land? Amen. A land flowing with milk and honey. But God, you don't know my problems. You don't know my career that I'm going after. I've got to be here. And I've got to do that. Because you don't think he's going to take care of those things for you in the promised land? You don't think he's going to take care of those things for you walking in his will? But they said, we have cattle. And this is a land for cattle this is a this is a land for cattle these two and a half tribes had large herds of cattle and they saw they saw this land as ideal for them verse 5 wherefore said they if we have found grace in thy sight let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession And bring us not over Jordan. Everything that he's done. Every miracle. Everything that he's done. The the man on the Red Sea. And and the victories over all the the pagan kings. The the plagues upon Egypt. Everything for this moment. And they say. Don't make us do that. Lord don't make me enter in completely. Don't make me possess the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Lord, there's things about that that I'm not real comfortable with. I'm I'm comfortable right where I'm at. This is where I want to be. This is how I want a Wednesday night to go. This is how the prayer life works in my home. Don't make me enter into all of that. I know you've done so much for me. I know you died and you went to hell and you fought my battles. And you rose again and you sent back the Holy Spirit. And then you sent messengers and you sent restoration. I know you've done all that, but don't make me, don't make me go there. Let me settle where I'm at. Let me settle right here. What an absolute slap in the face to God. This is the land of King Zion and of King Og, who has just been defeated by the armies of Israel. On their way to the promised land. This land was never supposed to be inhabited as part of the promised land. It wasn't within the borders that God had described to Abraham. It was just on the way. It was just on the way to fulfillment. How many times do we get hung up on the way? We find something really good on the way. And maybe truly it is good. But it's not your stopping place. It's not where you're supposed to settle. It's just on the way. 
You could even say that about the moves of God and what happened with different groups down through the, through the ages. Luther stopped at justification. But justification was just on the way. Wesley stopped at sanctification, but that was just on the way. The Pentecostals fell in love with the land of the gifts. But that was just on the way. It wasn't where they were supposed to stop. Many people fell in love with God sent a prophet. But that was just on the way. They've never been able to enter into what the prophet was bringing them to. You can't stop there. You have to enter into the land yourself. You have to go beyond justification, beyond sanctification, into the land of the Holy Ghost for yourself. You can't just be in love with the messenger, although that's good. It's good to recognize, Brother Branham, it's good to recognize what God's done in this day. But what did he bring you to and have you entered in? You have got to meet God for yourself and go beyond the things that are on the way. Verse 6, and Moses said unto the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war and you sit here? And wherefore discourage you the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up unto the valley of Eshel and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time. And he swore, saying, surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Listen, church, it's not good enough to follow the Lord. Do you wholly follow the Lord? Have you given him everything? Have you laid aside everything? Have you pushed into everything that he has called you to? And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel. And he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if you turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness and you shall destroy all this people. So they come to Moses and they ask and they're met with a sharp rebuke. Moses gives them a stern rebuke and he says, do you expect your brothers to go into battle while you settle right here on this side? While you sit here and settle down and he begins to compare them to the spies that gave a negative report back at Kadesh. And he says that you are sinful men for requesting this. Are we really going to repeat what the other ages have done? Are we really going to repeat what they did at Kadesh Barnea? Do we really want to be guilty of perpetuating the ages? Do we really want to be the ones that says we can't have all that just yet? Do we really want to be the ones that are guilty of causing another generation to wander and die in the wilderness? We can't do that, church. We can't keep putting it off. We have to have all that the word says we can have. We have to be all that the word says we can be. 
We have to do the greater works. We have to push into the Holy Ghost. We have to because either this is truth or it isn't truth. It's time to quit wandering around the mountain. If God be God, if this message be true, we are an indefeatable army. We can do the greater works. We can overcome. The sick will be healed. The young people can have the Holy Ghost. It's either true or it isn't. Are we going to be the ones that go in and take it? Or are we once again going to perpetuate things and lose another generation to the wilderness? They take this rebuke and then they come back with a proposition. And they came near unto him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. Notice where their priorities are. They're so concerned with money. If you study the tribe, they have a love of money. And they says, the first thing they're worried about are their herds. We'll, we'll build sheepfolds here for, the, for our cattle. And also, we'll build places for our kids to live after we build sheepfolds for our cattle. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. In other words, we're willing to abandon our kids here. And we'll come over there into the promised land. We'll even fight with you. Yeah. We'll leave our kids behind. They'll be okay inside the walls. There's a lot of bad people, the inhabitants. Yeah. But the women and children will be fine. We're going to abandon them. Yeah. As long as we get to settle where we want to settle. And we'll come in before you, verse 18, and we will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side Jordan or forward because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. Now notice that the way they even try to word things. It's not that because we want this inheritance. But now it's turned because this is what has fallen us. This is what our inheritance is to be. Playing, playing the humble card. This, this, I, we'll take this. We'll settle here and we'll do all this for you. We will lead the armies into the promised land. They actually offer to be the point men. Gad and Reuben are going to be the point men in every battle and lead the charge to obtain the promised land for somebody else. They say, look, you can have all of this because we don't need the part that God promised us. You can have it all. Our inheritance has fallen somewhere else. In other words, what they say here, if you break it down, is they will each get more land than they were even supposed to get. We're doing you a favor. You're going to get more. You can have all of it. Look, we believe in those things. We just don't do it here at this church. We believe in that part of the inheritance. It just don't happen very much here. That's fine if you have it. Y'all can have that part. You can have our part. Take it. Take it. You can have it. Yes, sir. Go ahead and enjoy it. Go ahead and relish it. There's just more of it for you now. But we're going to stay over here on this side. We're going to stay on the east side. We're going to settle down with what we are comfortable with and what we feel like fits us. 
That is for you, not me. Listen, the promised land was for all 12 tribes, not for nine and a half. They were all supposed to cross over. Church, don't ever get it in your head that there's some going to do this and some going to do that. We are all called to overcome Laodicea. We are all called to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We are all called to the promised land of the word. It is for each and every one of us. And God intends for each one of us to cross over into the land. Not to stay short and set up shop on the east side. They were all supposed to be placed inside the borders that God had established for them. And herein lies a problem. The problem here is that some people want to place themselves instead of being placed. Some people do not like to operate underneath a headship or a hierarchy, even as God has set up. And they want to place themselves and they want to choose for themselves and they want to do what they think is best for themselves. Their pride gets in the way of subjecting themselves. They want to say in everything. They don't want to let go of their own will. And in this situation, it does seem that pride played a role in the choosing of land because Reuben had been the firstborn of Israel, but he had lost his birthright. Other tribes, and especially Judah, had risen above him so that he could not expect uh, the best lot in Canaan. The tribe of Gad descended from the firstborn of Zilpah, and Manasseh too was a firstborn, but knew that he must be be surpassed by Ephraim, his younger brother. And so he too coveted first choice. We were firstborns. We're supposed to get to choose. I'm Reuben. I'm Gad and I'm Manasseh. We were firstborns. We were supposed to have birthrights. And yet because of their own choosing, because of Reuben's own actions, the birthright has been taken from him. Yet he still wants access to the birthright. He still wants access to the choice. And so here they see an opportunity to lay first claim to the land they want. To what they think is the best piece of land. Even though it's completely away from the tabernacle. Even though it's completely outside the land of promise, even though it's separated away from their brothers and sisters, from their core group of protection, from those that would be with them in times of battle, from those that would stand shoulder to shoulder with them and fight with them. They choose to separate themselves just so they can choose and have their own way. I don't care how good something looks to you, church. If it's outside the promises of God, you don't want it. If it's not in God's will, if it's not God's choosing, listen, a choice based off of what you want will only lead to heartache and hardships. It will only lead to difficulties in your life and it will not advance you spiritually, which is the only thing that really matters. They lost sight of this. Brother Branham says he wanted a position. Now he's talking about Balaam. He didn't want to fool with them, so he thought if he could, this little act for the king, then he would be promoted. God never changed his mind or his word. He will give you the desire of your heart. He promised that. You know that? He promised to give you the desire of your heart and let your desire be the word of God. Let your desire be his will, never your own will, his will. He says, if you ask for something, he don't give it to you. Say, thank you, Lord. You know what's good. Oh, how difficult that is sometimes. 
And sometimes we confuse the knock and keep on knocking with coming back over and over even though we know the answer. When something's outside of the will of God, you're not supposed to knock and keep on knocking. But if it's something like healing that we know is God's will or salvation like we know is God's will or the Holy Ghost like we know is God's will, yes, sir, you knock and you keep on knocking because those things are in the promised land. But if it's, Lord, I want to leave and go there. Lord, I want this job. I want that boyfriend. I want that girlfriend. I want to marry this one. And he says, no, don't come back again. Have you reconsidered? What if we do it like this, Lord? And what if I promise to do this? What if I promise to do this, Lord? Brother Branham says, he'll give you the desire of your heart. He'll give it to you, but he knows what's good. But the tribes here make their choice with their eye. Just like Lot had done when he lifted up his eyes and he saw greener pastures down towards Sodom. And without thought of his family, without thought of his children, without thought of his grandchildren in the future or his wife or his family, he, he doesn't think about spiritual implications and he makes his choice and he chooses his path based off of grass. Grass. Grass is greener. Don't ever make choices based off the grass is greener. If God leads you to greener pastures, praise the Lord. But I don't care if you're sitting up in a desert. If it's where God has led you and to sit there, I suggest you dig because there's probably water there for you somewhere. He led you there for a reason. He put you in that place for a reason. And if he led you there and he put you there, he'll see you through wherever you're at and whatever you're going through. But don't run off to greener pastures just because your eyes see greener pastures. And here they are. Notice something here. They are choosing just like Lot chose. And they're literally looking on some of the exact same plains that Lot looked upon. They're looking there on Gilead in the plains of Jordan. The tribes of Reuben and Gad have requested that they be given land in this territory east of Jordan because it was suitable for their needs as livestock grazers. You know, sometimes we have some pretty silly reasons why we don't go on with God. We give some pretty silly excuses of why we've been stuck where we are. It's somebody else's fault and somebody else did something. And mine, this is going on, Lord, and that's going on, so I can't go on with you. I can't push on with you. I say lay aside every weight, lay aside every hindrance, and whatever you got to do tonight, press on, press more, press further, deeper into the promise, deeper into his love, deeper into the Holy Ghost. Push harder than ever before, but whatever you do, don't stay where you're at tonight. Don't stand still. Don't settle short of victory. Sometimes we have some pretty terrible excuses for why we separate ourselves from fellowship. Why we don't come around one another. Why we don't talk to people after church. You say that's not important. It's very important. Fellowship is very important. Strength for one another. It's very, very important for young people. Let's not just put it off on young people. We all need each other. We all need one another. We have crazy excuses for why we do the things we do when God has already provided everything we have need of to overcome. Verse 20. 
And Moses said unto them, if you will do this thing. So they've come and said, look, we'll do all this fighting and we won't even enter in. He says, if you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord and we'll go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he had driven out the enemies from before him. And the land be subdued before the Lord. Then afterward you shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you shall not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. Build your cities. Now I love this part because Moses takes a subtle shot at them. He corrects them. Build your cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep. He switches it for them. Right there, to their face, he lets them know, I I didn't like how you said that. You build the cities for your little ones first. Then you can build. Look, get your priorities straight, church. And that goes for each and every one of us. We spend so much time on silly things. There's nothing more important than you providing for your family in spiritual ways. And providing for your children and providing a home where the Holy Spirit can move and providing a home where they know the Bible and they pray and providing a home of protection. Listen, we live in an evil world. And if you don't think it's coming after your kids, you're sadly mistaken. It is coming. But I believe that there is a token that we can put over our home that when the death angel comes by, he sees that token. He says, no, I'm going to pass over right there. I believe there's a token that can be applied. I believe there's a love that can be shown to your children. Provide for them first before you worry about your sheep. Take care of them spiritually before you worry about your sheep. Verse 28. So concerning them, Moses commanded Eliezer, the priest, and Joshua, the son of Nun, And the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel and Moses said unto them, if the children of Gad and the children of Reuben will pass with you over Jordan, every man armed to battle before the Lord and the land shall be subdued before you. Then you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. But if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Isn't this amazing? If they do everything they said, they can settle what they've asked for. But if they don't go with you and do what they said, they still get a place in the promised land. Look, our God is a merciful God who gives plenty of opportunity. What this was was Moses telling them, you don't have to do this. You still have a place in the promised land. You don't have to walk away. You don't have to stay where you're at. There is still a place in the land for you. God's mercy is still extended to you. Grace is still extended to you. The Holy Ghost is still extended to you. Everything you have need of tonight, church, is still extended to you. Whatever mistakes you've made, whatever road you've gone down, whatever choices you've made, there's still a place for you in the promised land if you choose to take it. He's still extending mercy and grace in this moment. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answer saying, as the Lord has said unto thy servants, so will we do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, that the possession of our inheritance on this side of Jordan may be ours. They are literally fighting to stay out of the promised land. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben and to half the tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sion, the king of the Amorites and the kingdom of Og, the king of Bashan, the land with the cities thereof in the coast, even the cities of the country round about. Reuben and Gad have agreed to this arrangement and promised to send their very best troops And lead the Israelites into battle. And yet we can see that Moses is still very uneasy. 
about this situation. He doesn't like it. He's tried to talk them out of it because as a, as a godly anointed leader, what he recognizes is they're making a horrible mistake. He's tried to rebuke them. He's tried to reason with them. And he recognizes that what they're settling for is God's permissive will. They are settling in God's permissive will because even though it looks good to Gad and it looks good to Reuben, he recognizes that they're not looking at this through spiritual eyes. What Reuben and Gad have suggested does not fall within the covenant of Abraham. The land that they want is not within the boundaries of the land promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Reuben and Gad are now going to settle and live outside the camp of Israel, outside the land of promise, because they saw more benefit in the pastures of Gilead than what they would receive under God's provisions in the promised land. And they choose to settle just short of total victory. They have chose to stop right on the verge of everything that has been promised. Everything that God has done for them, everything that he's promised, they're right on the verge and they settle down in God's permissive will. And we pick up here in Joshua after Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh have kept their part of the bargain. And we're in Joshua 22 and 1. And it says, then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh. And he said unto them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. And have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not let your brethren, left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren. Notice, not rest unto you. That's right. He has given rest unto your brethren. As he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get you unto your tents and unto the land of your possession which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Listen, this isn't like Kadesh. They didn't make this decision based off of fear and they didn't make this decision even based off of unbelief. This was them looking at the promised land and saying, nah, this right here is good enough. This right here, as as a matter of fact, not only is this good enough, I think this is better than what God has provided for me. Listen, don't ever stop short of everything God has called you to. Don't ever stop short of everything God has provided for you. Because I promise you, no matter what your eyes tell you, what God has for you is better than anything you could ever do. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't know about y'all, but anytime I think something's going to work out, it doesn't. Anytime I do something on my own, it fails. But I know my God has never failed. I know my God is a provider. I know he knew exactly what I had need of before the foundation of the world. And he laid it out for me. And I may not understand. And it may hurt sometimes. And I might not can figure it all out. But I know it's what I need to get me to the promised land. I know it's what I need to get me in the place that he wants me to be. And I'm not going to take what my eyes see over what he has prepared for me. Don't ever do what you want when God is calling you to do something different. Because God's permissive will is actually a very dangerous place to be. Because you can be blessed in that place. 
And you can be fooled into thinking you're where you're supposed to be. You can become comfortable in that place, but you will pay for staying in that place. Brother Brown says, yet he grants you permission for, for to make, to permit your will, a permissive will, knowing what's in your heart. He knows it. You say, Brother Branham, I do so-and-so, and it don't bother me. God blesses me every day. I sing in the spirit. I dance in the spirit. He'll permit it. Go ahead. That's right. But what are you going to do? I wear shorts, and I do this. It don't bother me. I know my faith is in Christ, not in what I wear. But the Bible said there's something to it. See, what will you do? You'll make a stumbling block like Balaam did before every one of them other women. What you'll do to your young girls, you'll have a bunch of riquettas. That's exactly right. A bunch of little painted up Jezebels, see. But God will prosper you. Why? He blesses me. I don't doubt that. He blessed Balaam too, see. Certainly he'll bless you. You're walking in his permissive will, not his perfect will. God doesn't change his mind. Just because he blesses you. He says, yet he prospers you. You can't believe that by prosperity. You can't judge God by prosperity. The world prospers. Balaam prospered. But brother, you judge God by his word. He keeps his word and identifies it to be the truth. So remember, friend, as long as you live, don't you never forget this. God doesn't change his mind. Yet he will bless you. He will let you go in his permissive will. But he won't change his mind. He won't change his plan. He won't change his word for you. No, sir. You've got to change. You can't have God's word to match your experience. You've got to have your experience match God's word. Listen, not every blessing is in the will of God. In other words, not all things that we call blessings are actually blessings long term. Look at the rich young ruler. Look, compared to everybody else, they looked at him and thought, that man is blessed. But why why can't I be blessed like him? His life just has blessing after blessing poured out upon everything he touches turns to gold. That is a blessed man. And yet the things they called blessings were the very thing that kept him out of heaven. The things they called, listen, if you're walking according to the will of God and you live in a shack, you are blessed. If you're walking according to the will of God and you have these promises that are as good as done, I don't care what the circumstances say, you can't be any more blessed than walking in the will of God. You can't be any more blessed than following the message of the hour. You can't be any more blessed than having the Holy Ghost residing on the inside of you. Quit looking at others saying that one's blessed and that one's blessed and that one's blessed. No, sir, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to know this message. I'm blessed that he called my name. I'm blessed with the Holy Ghost. I'm blessed with promises that he will fulfill just like he did for Abraham he'll do it for me I am blessed that's the blessings I'm looking for that's what I'm walking in I don't care who is against you I don't care what it looks like I don't care what disease is standing in your way you can't be more blessed than walking in the promises of God God will allow you to choose though Sure he will. He'll let you stay put when you're told to go. Sure he will. And he may even bless you there. Or he'll let you go when you've been told to stay put. But you'll pay for it long term. First Chronicles 5, 9. And eastward he inhabited unto the entering in of the wilderness from the river Euphrates 
because their cattle were multiplied in the land of Gilead. It looks like they made a good choice. They, they are blessed. Their cattle have multiplied so much that they're spread all over the land of Gilead. And in the days of Saul, they made war with the Hagarites who fell by their sword, by their hand, and they dwelt in their tents throughout all the east land of Gilead. And their cattle has increased. They're winning battles. This is a blessed people. Brother Branham said, God permitted Israel to take a law in Exodus the 19th chapter when grace had already given them a prophet. Pillar of fire, a sacrificed lamb, a delivering power. But they cried out for law. It wasn't God's will, but it was injected because man wanted it. And he was cursed by the very law that he wanted. It's best to have God's will. That's what he taught us. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We must submit ourselves to his will and his word. Don't question it. Believe it. Don't try to find a way around it. Just take it the way it is. So many wants to go around and get some other way. And when you do, you find yourself going on. You find, your, you find God blessing you, but you're working in his permissive will and not his perfect divine will. And blessed they were. This is suited to us. We're comfortable here. We're cattle people and look at these pastures. Listen, I believe that comfort may be the biggest hindrance that a Christian ever had. I believe that comfort may be the biggest hindrance that a church service ever had. We get comfortable not overcoming. We get comfortable with a little bit of the world in our homes. We get comfortable not entering into a service. We get comfortable here in the world. Listen, this world should make us so uncomfortable. It should disgust us so much that we don't want to be around it. We don't want to be near it. There should be a disgust for the filth of this world that we push further and further into the word. Further and further into the promise and further and further away from the boundary line. We can't be so comfortable that we're actually willing to settle on the outside of the promised land and make the world our neighbors and make our enemies our neighbors. There should not be that much of a comfort level. Press further into the promise. Not settle right on the outskirts to where there's no buffer between us and the world. You have to press in, press further. Don't settle just short of victory. Listen, you are a people of the book tonight. An open book tonight. The word has been restored. There's been a loosing from the bonds of Egypt. There's been a loosing from the personal taskmasters that have beat you and attacked you. We've been freed from the ideas of man. Freed from formal creeds and doctrines. Freed to worship him in spirit and in truth. I say enter into that. Go into that. Don't stay on the outskirts of it. By God's grace, you're a people to who the land of the word has been totally restored. It's open to you. And he's saying, go in. Press in. Press into the open word. It's been open completely in the last day and you can't stop short. Because of where we stand, we are without excuse for not being possessors of the promise. Those down through the other ages weren't expected to possess it all. But they were only expected to possess that which was open to them. And whatever was open to them, they were required to possess that. And they were expected to walk according to that light. But now there is a greater responsibility. There is a responsibility for you to possess all the land. Because all the land has been open. Light has shone on the whole land. 
You can't stop short. You don't have an excuse to stop short. You must possess all that light has shown on. How terrible it would be. What a shame it would be to be this close. To be standing there. Not talking about it, but looking at it. Seeing it. Watching everybody else go in. But stopping short. To actually walk in it. You've walked all through this word. You've walked all through this land. You've been partakers of it. Oh, and Gad and Reuben were able to walk into the land. They were able to fight for the land. They were able to stand and look at it and recognize it's good. And then choose to settle outside the land. They were some of the best fighters. They led Israel into the promised land and helped them conquer it and drive it out. They came to services. They prayed with people. They shouted. They fought battles in the church. They were fighters. They'd come to the meeting and shout and praise God and hear the word. They were warriors. They helped win the land. They helped you and they helped you and they helped create an atmosphere. And then they go back to their homes that's outside the promise. They go out, they they go back to their home that's sitting in a place of danger. They go back to their homes that's in a compromised land. They came so far and settled just short. Listen, you've been on a journey just like the children of Israel. You've been through the wilderness. You've experienced the highs. You've experienced the lows. You've seen great victories and you've seen and witnessed the setbacks. You've followed the prophet's message all the way up to the crossing over. Look, so many people don't have any issue with the coming out. What they have an issue with is the going in. They let the message bring them out of bondage. They let the message take them through the wilderness. They let the message feed them and they let the anointing of that message deliver them. But when it comes to crossing over into where the message was taking them all along, what was it taking you to? Where was it taking you to? It was taking you back to the original all along. It was taking you back to Pentecost all along. It was taking you back to the real baptism of the Holy Ghost all along. And you get there and you want to stop short. But it was taking you there all the time. That's what we got to cross into. Anything that stops short of what they had in the book of Acts. Anything that stops short of what they had in the upper room in the very first church. Anything that stops short of that is settling just short of victory. Anything that stops short of that. Where is it taking you? Back to the book of Acts. Back to a living God. Back to a real experience. And yet people are settling just short. He says that vine ever brings forth another branch. It'll be a Pentecostal branch with signs following the believer. Right back to the original. These hybrid things won't work. I know they're sticking in there called Christianity. But they're not Christianity. Back to the baptism of the Holy Ghost they had at the beginning. Don't stop short. Azusa Street Pentecost wouldn't cross over because they had tongues and gifts and it suited them. So they said, we'll settle here. But there was more in there. There was more in there. So Reuben and Gad are blessed where they decide to settle. But had they crossed on over, they would have got the more. They would have had total victory. Listen, anything that you haven't given to him, anything where you stopped just short of a total surrender, any place where you haven't progressed into all that you are promised, tonight I'm encouraging you to press in. 
you've looked at it, you've tasted it, you know it's good, you fought for it, and maybe others have possessed it, but quit fighting just so others can possess it. Possess it yourself tonight. Go in and claim your inheritance tonight. Go ahead and get your portion of it tonight. It's for you. You weren't called out to settle on this side of the river. You weren't called out to stop at justification. You weren't called out to settle at justification and sanctification. You were called out to go all the way into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You weren't called out for a tribulation. You were called out for a rapture. You were called out for total victory. And I won't settle on this side. I won't stop on this side. But I'll take all of it. I will not settle just short of total and complete victory. I wasn't called out to make a deal with the devil. I wasn't called out to stop short. I wasn't called out to lose my children. I was called out to fight. I was called out to take it. I have an inheritance in the land. Hallelujah. Don't settle where you are. They have no problem with coming out. They see the wrongs of ages past. They see that God sent a prophet, but they can never fully enter into what the prophet brought them to. The whole of the inheritance. All that Christ died for was for this. All that his word declares, we can't stop short. Luther's age accepted the message, but they stopped short of sanctification. Wesley accepted the message, but stopped short. Pentecost accepted the gifts, but stopped short. And many today, walking by the very light that has illuminated the entire land, are choosing to stop short. The book is open. The seals are off. The land is available for you to take. It's open for you. And God has said, this is your portion. It's all for you. There's not one promise that doesn't belong to you. Don't settle on this side. Push in. Anything less than what they had in the book of Acts is stopping short. Brother Branham says, behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day shall destroy the world. He'll restore the hearts of the children back to the original faith, back to the gospel, back to the power of God, back to the real Holy Spirit, back to Christ again before the great day comes. We hear the trumpet sounding. Oh, my. What is it? I love this. He says, awake, ye saints of the Lord. Why slumber when the end is nearing? Let's get ready for that final call. If it gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare prepare themselves for battle? If it's uncertain, but it's not uncertain. Oh, hallelujah. You want to quote? It's not uncertain. He said it's back to the original faith, back to the original gospel, back to the original Holy Ghost, back to Jesus Christ. Don't just come out. Go in tonight. If it's uncertain, who shall prepare? But it's not uncertain. I say prepare to take the land. Prepare to cross over. Prepare to get whatever inheritance God said you can have. Lord, I'll take that. Prepare for battle tonight. He says, and in the message of John in the last days, or the message of Elijah, the spirit that will be in the church, will take the hearts of the people that's fallen away from the Pentecostal fathers, turn their hearts back to the original message of Pentecost again as it started. The message of the covenant, the seventh star of the day. We're living in that day. Notice this generation, wicked and adulterous generation, will seek after a sign, and they'll get it. What kind of a sign? 
the sign of the resurrection. He is not dead, but he's alive. Our religion is not a history. It's a living fact. It's a living God. It's a living experience as it was in the days of Jonas. I say I won't stop short of that right there. I'll have a living God in my home. I'll have a living God in my church. I'll have a living God amongst our youth group. I will have a living God. I won't stop short of that right there. I will have total victory. I will have healing. I will have deliverance. I will have the Holy Ghost. If it's in the word, I will have it. I will not stop short. I'm going to bring this down to a close. Do not stop short. This may take a moment. I'm going to read some histories and some things. Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh suffered more persecution than any of the tribes. He'll let you have his permissive will, but there is consequences. He'll let you do what you want, but there are consequences. There are serious consequences for the disobedience of direct instructions. There are serious consequences to not walking in the will of God for your life when you know what that will is. Or when you've chosen not to seek his will and just go on your own. Although you may be a fierce fighter, although God may bless your works and bless your efforts, that is not always an indication that you are in his will. The tribe of Gad would eventually settle in an area prone to border raids by foreign invaders. Their location was never secure from attacks and invasion. Since to the south, it was exposed to the Moabites. And like the other tribes east of the Jordan, it was exposed on the north and east to Aram, Damascus, and to later the Assyrians. If you're not fully in and you hadn't pressed into the promise, your home, your life, your children are exposed. They are exposed to attack at any moment. They chose to not surround themselves with their brother and sisters. They chose to do their own thing. It's not important if my youth go to the youth gatherings. It's not important if we get them there. It's no big deal. And you chose to have them out here to where they're easily attacked, easily brought down, easily latched on to by other friends. It says this tribe was very detached from the other tribes. Remaining just like Reuben, Reuben, mostly a nomadic tribe of herders, no person of it is ever mentioned by name after the conquest. It is not included in the list of tribes in 2 Chronicles 27, and it is the only tribe not even mentioned in the Song of Deborah. Gad's borders are not well defined and probably shifted over time towards the north as pressure from Moab and Ammon increased. They don't even know where their borders are. They don't even know where they stand. They don't even know what they fight for because they never pushed in. God had given them established borders. He was going to show them this is your land and this is yours and that's yours and this is where you will flourish and this is where you'll be blessed. But instead they just chose this. No established borders. And when you have no borders, you have nothing to fight for. You have no reason to stand. You have no reason to fight. The Midrash would relate that when the descendants of Gad and Reuben did enter into Israel, 
For the first time they crossed over, they expressed regret at choosing to live outside of it. And they said, even a small portion of the promised land would be more valuable than twice the amount on the East Bank. Oh, church, even a small little portion of heaven, even just a little bit of this life, even whatever portion you choose to give me, God, is greater than anything the world can ever give me. It's greater than anything Satan can ever offer. Even a little bit on this side, Lord, I'll take it. I want what you have for me on this side. If it's just a little portion, if it's just a tiny piece, Lord, I choose this side. I will cross over and take what you have for me. Over time, Reuben becomes less and less prominent in Israel's history. In fact, some biblical historians claim that by Saul's time, Reuben was absorbed into the tribe of Gad and disappeared. Other biblical writers don't support that severe of a consequence. But rather, what we do find is that the tribe of Reuben took on the lifestyle of Bedouins and wandered around the desert fringes on the other side of Jordan, moving around with their flocks and herds. Technically, Reuben still held territory and maintained their tribal identity, but practically they didn't govern their territory or create any infrastructure within it or defend it. So their territory more and more came under the influence of other tribes. As Bedouins, Reuben just didn't have much interest in controlling territory or protecting their borders. Church, God has given us borders. He has told us what is ours. He has told us what belongs to us. He has told us what not to fool with and where not to go. And we are to defend those borders. We are to stay within those borders. But they had no desire for it because they didn't go into the promised land. Enemies constantly harassed Reuben and Gad. We find scripture in Judges 10 and 6. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served not him. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel 18 years, all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites which is in Gilead. This next story is pretty brutal, but what am I driving home to you? We got to press all the way in. Do not stop where you're at. Do not settle just short of victory. We must take it all. There's a name in the Bible, Nahash. It's a name that means serpent. We find him in 1 Samuel 11. And in 1 Samuel 11, we find that he is defeated by Saul. And we're told a very short story of it, but then there's a back story. It tells about the siege at Jabesh Gilead and how Nahash had come uh, and said that the only way I'll let you live is if I can put out your right eye as a reproach upon all of Israel. Verse 1 in chapter 11, it says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. Now notice, these are... People from Reuben and Gad, how quickly. They didn't come out and fight to the death. They didn't come out protecting their land. Just, hey, we'll surrender. Just make a covenant with us. We'll do whatever. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all of Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, give us seven days respite 
that we may send messengers into all the coast of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to, Gib- to Gabeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Just for the sake of time, I'm not going to finish reading this chapter, but Saul raises an army. And Saul, like a good brother does, even though the other tribes have settled outside, even though they have completely detached themselves from all the other tribes, even though they have forsook the entering end of the promised land, Saul says, that's our brothers. And he raises an arm and he goes out and he slaughters the enemy and he slaughters the king and there's victory and these are saved. But when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was a more, there was a complete explanation of Nahash's actions. It was discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was an actual additional paragraph that was supposed to go with Samuel 11. And it says that Nahash had conquered all the tribal lands of Gad and Reuben. It says, Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, sorely oppressed the children of Gad and the children of Reuben. And he gouged out all their right eyes. And he struck terror and dread in Israel. There was not one left among the children of Israel beyond the Jordan whose right eye was not put out by Nahash, king of the children of Ammon, except the 7,000 men who fled the children of Ammon and entered into Jabesh Gilead. About a month later, Nahash, the Ammonite, went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. In other words, Nahash had conquered all their land of Gad and Reuben, and a portion of the population had managed to flee to this place, and that's where Saul had rescued them. And they were the only ones left who had not had their right eye completely plucked out. Toy with the world. Live next to the world. Don't separate yourself from the world and your vision gets messed up. You begin seeing things wrong. You lose your vision. You begin thinking that the sheep are more important than the kids. You begin to think this don't matter and that don't matter. And you don't even go out and fight to protect your lands. But once you've entered into that promised land and you've gone through everything for it and God has secured your borders and said, you fight for this. This is yours. This is mine. Your children are yours. Your healing is yours. Your salvation is yours. Your deliverance is yours. The Holy Ghost is yours. And he gives that to you and you say, I'll fight for that right there. I'll stand for right that right there. I will die for that right there. I will enter into the promise. I will push beyond any doubt. I will push beyond any fear. But I'm going to have everything that God has laid aside for me. I will not quit. I will not back down. But tonight, church, I'm going in. I'm pushing through. I will not stop short of total victory I will not camp down when the promised land is in sight I will not stop when we're right here on the verge of a rapture on the verge of going home any moment any night any morning a sweet's going to come over your body your loved ones are going to appear to you and you're going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye we're right here I say do not stop just short of total and complete victory tonight hallelujah you can stand to your feet with me tonight Hallelujah. Our God has given us a land. Our God has established our borders. And I say, don't stop short. I say, press into the land. If you read the book of 1 Chronicles 5, as the musicians are coming, I want to read the end of this. It's talking about the descendants of Reuben, the descendants of Gad. And then if we look in verse 23, it's talking about the half-tribe of Manasseh. It says, and the children of the half-tribe of Manasseh dwelt in the land. They increased from Bashan unto Baal Hermon and Sinor and unto Mount Hermon. 
And then verse 24 talks about the men of valor, famous men, heads of the house. Verse 25, and they transgressed against God of their fathers and went a whoring after the gods of the people of the land whom God had destroyed before them. The very gods that had been destroyed, they began to worship. And verse 26, here's the end of these three tribes. And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Paul, king of Assyria, and the spirit of Tilgath Pilnazar, king of Assyria. And he carried them away, even the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half the tribe of Manasseh, and brought them unto Hala and Habor and Hera, and to the river Gozan unto this day. Years and years before Babylon ever carried off the children of Israel, they were already gone. Because there was no one there to defend them. There was no border between them and the world. Their brothers couldn't get to them in time in an emergency and they couldn't get to their brothers because they didn't press all the way in. God will let you have it your way. God will let you live in his permissive will. But there are consequences to it. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't get distracted. Press into this word more than ever before. Press into the Holy Ghost more than ever before. Ask God for a refilling more than ever before. If there's a promise in this Bible, God wants you to possess it. Don't settle for partial healing. You can have all your healing. Don't settle for just a baptism of the Holy Ghost on your flesh. You can have a deep insulin of the Holy Ghost. You can have a refreshing. Your home can have it. Your children can have it. Tonight, I say, don't settle. Brother Aaron, I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm worn down. I've come so far. I've conquered a lot. So had Reuben and Gad. I've come through so many things. I've come through the Red Sea. I've come through uh, the plagues. I've come through the wilderness. I drank water from the rock. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I've done. I've been so much. This looks like a good place to settle down. This looks like a good place to finish. No. We're never finished until he calls us home. I want to be gaining ground until I go. I want to be whooping devils until I go. As long as there's breath in my body, I want to be taking steps. I want to be getting possession. I want to be preaching the gospel. I want to be pronouncing healing. I want to be pronouncing victory until there's no breath left in my body. I want to be taking ground. I want to be going further. I want to be going deeper. I want to cross over. There is no place for us to settle down until we cross over. Until we cross over, there's no stopping. Press the battle. Press the battle. If you only knew, if you only knew what lay just ahead, don't stop short, church. Father, we love you tonight and we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that each one of us recognize tonight that your will is better for us than anything we could ever come to on our own. Lord, tonight I just want to encourage the people, don't stop short. Do not stop short, but press in. Press in to the Holy Ghost. Press into the promised land. Cross over. Just don't settle short of everything that you've done for us, Lord. You paid the price. And Lord, we give you thanks for it tonight. Lord, as a church body, I pray we'll take another step. Lord, as an individual, as a leader of a home, Lord, I say as for me and my house, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep pressing. Lord, I pray that you'll just bless the word now, Lord. May it find its resting place in your people's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
I'd rather have Jesus than anything than this world affords today. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than sin.